Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension, this is The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, I'm Mike, she is Emma, and in this episode we're going over some of our uh, favourite underappreciated episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah, so I must probably emphasise right at the top that I think both of our lists, uh, the, the actual order could move around a bit, it's mm-hmm. more um, stories that we think that fandom at large maybe doesn't love as much as we do, and... Yeah. Uh, for for various myriad reasons. Uh so we we've got a combined list here so we're talking the whole the whole pantheon so uh, mm. uh just to make it harder on ourselves. I'm sort of interested to see how far our mind meld goes yeah. because um quite a lot of these lists we will be sort of not too dissimilar. So mm. having taken the whole the whole subset of Doctor Who <laughs> I wonder if we're going to get any repeats at all. So uh, yeah, this is going to be a curious one, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think the hardest thing compiling this list for me was um, like sort of like quantifying like how what we class as underappreciated. Because I mean, you've got you can look up things like ratings on IMDb, or mm. you can even use like like the Doctor Who magazines. Like it was like the two hundred list that they got the uh, yeah. readers to vote in but even then you can't really use that because that's outdated and I don't and as far as I'm aware they've never gone back and had another pass at it so you know the orders of episodes could usually be shuffled around so yeah. it's really more sort of like this is very much a list of like our personal choices so your mileage oh, very will, yeah. will very much vary um, yeah. and if you don't mind I'd like to start off because I think my yep. first pick is going to be quite controversial. Go for it. Battlefield. Okay. Right. Uh, do you know what? Yeah, okay. It's not a perfect episode. Of course, no. not hardly any, any of them are. And in the whole of series, season 26, it's arguably the weakest one. Mm. But for all like the, the sort of like, shonky effects, I think there's a really good sort of like core conceit to this one you know where effectively like the doctor is merlin even though he doesn't know it like it, it could be like his future incarnations or it's a parallel universe it's it's never really explained but the whole idea of it is sort of like yeah of course you know why, why wouldn't he be considered as such yeah. um and i mean you've also got like you've got gene marsh as morgane you've got the return of uh, nick courtney as the brig you know, so, I mean, there's some great, like, acting and moments in this. I mean, like, even sort of the bit where Anselin and Mordred are uh, having their, like, final showdown. You know, they're clashing swords and then the doctor sort of, like, walks between them and doffs his hat. Um, it's, there's just, like, lots of little, like, there's lots of great bits in it. Um, right. I, I just, I don't think it gets... I understand why people don't like it. Right. I, I get it, but I don't think it's as bad as, like, say, Time Lash or... Oh, know. God, no. 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 But I think... Do you think maybe it's because, uh, like you're saying about the Doctor sort of being Merlin and stuff, mm-hmm. do you think maybe because it sort of gets swept up with all the Cartmel master plan, the mysterious Doctor kind of mm. ephemera that was uh, sort of the, the seventh Doctor gets stuck with, that uh, maybe a bit like Silver Nemesis, although I think Batfield is far superior to Silver Nemesis, mm-hmm. that all the kind of attendant guff around it... Yeah. ...the minute it sort of makes people who maybe then not, not think so fondly back on it and mm. it kind of get like I say it gets kind of mashed up with like the best example of that is is remembrance of the Daleks yes. yeah. you know so that that's at the at the great end of these type of stories that's what you've got and then mm. you've got kind of like I say the the kind of the weaker ones like Silver Nemesis so Battlefield kind of kind of gets lost in the mid- middle of all that shuffle do you think yeah I think so I mean I, I was sort of like I'm starting to like waffle on the whole Cartmel master plan sort of thing because it's such, it's it's a whole episode. We we could talk. I could talk about this for hours. Mm. It's a whole episode because whether or not it even exists is a matter of debate. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's sort of like yeah, you want to make the more the Doctor more mysterious, but you know if you try and push it too far, mm. then you know it, it almost becomes like you sort of like self insert fan fiction characters. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like the you know, the dark, mysterious person who, you know. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think I think had the Carmel Master Plan hadn't been as obvious in the previous mm. season, 
Um, you know, obviously you, you've got uh, this like deleted scenes, like you know, the Doctor tells Daphne on far more than just another Time Lord, and you know, the whole bit of the Silver Nemesis, like you say. I think the whole the Doctor as Merlin thing would have stood out a lot greater. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, uh, that aside, I, you know, even even with like the Shonky effect, it's still a perfectly serviceable episode. You've got some like great characters in it. I mean, Anselm and Bambera is like one of the great like sort of budding couples in Dog 2. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, basically beat the shit out of each other one night and then, you know, they're, they're all both jumping into bed with one another the next. Um, I, I, I can't help it. I just, I like it. I honestly can't, yeah. you know, come to hate it. No. I think that's what a lot of this list is going to come down to, mm. that... Um, it, it, with with the thing like Battlefield, I don't think it's it kind of f- falls into the outright that a lot of people hate it. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I think it's like one of those episodes that gets lost in the shuffle, and um, yeah. that's that's why I think that showing your appreciation for these sort of episodes, um, like I say, they're just people. If you read through the list, it's one of those things you read through the lists of the series that they're in. You go, oh yeah, that was in this one, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It kind of just gets lost in there with all the other attendant stuff in to go around around the seventh doctor's uh persona if you like Mm -hmm. um what do you got 42 oh yeah um i was gonna say one of the great lost in the shuffle episodes 42 Mm -hmm. um it was um i think that the new doctor whose uh production team problem of missing uh, a piece of the zeitgeist, uh, sort of doing a piece of the zeitgeist a year too late. Yeah. Um, that they did, they did found, they did found footage in sleep no more a year too late. Mm-hmm. They did real time episode in forty two in forty two a year too late. Yeah. Um. So I think people think of it. Oh, oh yeah, that one that's in real time in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. But forget about what actually a, a really excellently sort of creepy and. Mm-hmm funny at the same time and a great supporting cast again oh yeah in 42 like michelle collins and all the other people who are in it um it just gets like just gets forgotten about because series three obviously uh because we've we've spoken about series three at length but Mm. um yeah the whole stuff with you know we've got martha in instead of rose yeah so that draws a lot of the debate you have the you know the utopia and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um Family of Blood comes right after this. Yeah, Blink is in this series, yeah. so it's it's forgotten about because it's slap bang in the middle. It's it's in that now sort of sadly mm-hmm. bell curve of new Doctor Who of episode seven. It's it, mm. it is always the one it seems to be when you have a twelve or thirteen long episode series. Yeah, um, that episode six seven always is the least viewed. Uh, before it starts coming up again before the end of the series. So, yeah, I really mm. think that 42 it just gets gets brushed by and, and um, it's actually got a lot going for it. Um, mm. Another thing that I unfortunately I think uh, has now tainted it is because people, how much people hate the Rings of Akaten, which has also <laughs> got a sentient sun in it. Yeah. I mean, so. That, yeah, for 42, that's like the big standout for me is the idea of a sentient sun. And then, of yeah. course, Akaten when brought it back. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's sort of like you you kind of like feel a little bit bad for the crew, but at the same time they started it. So yes. you know, it's it's sort of like, oh, you kinda of deserve that really. But you're right, I mean, um there's some great acting, especially like when the doctor gets possessed by yes. the sun. I mean, that is genuinely disturbing. And it is, yeah. the, the bit where he has to get Martha to freeze him. And yeah. he, he like even like when he's like panicking, he, he tries to music. He like tries to explain the concept of regeneration to him to her, um, and then he just tells like to hit the button, and it's just like oh my sh- Jesus Christ, you know? It's like um, it, it's not quite as um, disturbing to me as say midnight. Um. No, I know how much you how disturbing you find midnight, oh, but God. and also I mean something that's quite a bit unique again before Rings of Akaten. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of this, it's a true power cosmic they come across and they can do yeah. nothing about it and they get away with it by the skin of their teeth. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those sort of great, like, unknown of, woo, got away with that one type of thing that Doctor Who does occasionally, but not often enough, I think, mm-hmm. in some cases. So, yeah, I would say definitely 
um, if you haven't, if I think a lot of people who have who have that series three box set and have watched it all the way through once and now just watch Blink over and over again, <laughs> go back and watch Forty Two. Seriously, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, my next one is Day of the Daleks. Okay, um, again, not one of the strongest ones, and this is, I think, this is one of those occasions where when to entertain put out the dvd of it mm-hmm. and they include the enhanced effects that really sort of like bumps it up because i mean yeah. they're, they're great but the reason why i enjoy it is because it does um one of the like few times that uh, arguably classic doctor who does is like have some time travel travel mechanics in, in this case the stable time loop where you know the doctor and joe um are assigned to Keep an eye on um, Sir Reginald Styles because there's a, a like a peace conference is being held. Yeah, but then you get these guerrilla fighters from the future who show up, and it turns out they've gone back in time to try and kill Styles because of an event that happens during this peace conference that causes all sorts of shit to happen, and then the Daleks take over. But what is later revealed is the sabotage at the peace conference is actually caused by the same people who are trying to prevent it in the first place because yep. the one guy gets left behind, you know, presumed dead when they make their escape to the future and he tries to carry out the mission no matter what. Um, and I, I, I always really, really like that and it's, you know, got some great, like, Pertwee moments like um, where he fights off one of the gorillas. Um, you know, he's got a glass of wine so he has a moment to put it down before he deflects the next attack. Um, the bit where he is like forced to call the brigadier and just like sort of do the old sort of like, oh no, everything's fine, it's all cool. Um, but he sort of like goes, you know, I assume brigadier, there's nothing to worry about. Tell Styles that, tell the prime minister and brigadier, but be particularly should tell to the marines. <laughs> it's like, yeah. a nice little sort of like uh, bit of like, yeah, come on. <laughs> Um, um, I mean, what, what's what's remarkable about Day of the Daleks is that it's kind of one of the earliest and maybe only example of this stable time loop mm-hmm. um, kind of, well, you, the, the Primer-esque kind of causality type time travel stories yeah. in, in Doctor Who full stop, really, for a time mm-hmm. travel show. They don't do this hardly ever. Yeah. And um, and I say until Moffat came in, they didn't really mess around with this concept of things happening before and then what they've done influencing things that are to come. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things about Pertwee's era, because he's stuck on Earth, you have throughout his, especially like the the Joe Grant and the Master stuff, you have an idea that you know the Earth is kind of things are happening yeah. and so when you, when you come in in each episode they'll say oh you know this and that politicians doing this and this is in the news and that's in the news and you have a feeling of time progressing in a normal fashion like yeah. it does day to day here and it's something they don't really well they don't really do anymore at all so mm. um i think it probably gets brushed over because it's maybe one of the least remembered of the daleks type episodes yeah. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the original version, they didn't have, like... They didn't really get the dogs quite right, because I, th- I think, didn't they... Weren't they, in, like, in the process of trying to get rid of the dogs altogether? Yeah, they, I something? mean, that's the thing. I mean, ever since the Daleks have been here, there's been a not insignificant campaign to never have them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was that thing of... I mean, you think they're overused now. I mean... I'm sure that when they were writing these episodes, every other script they got was Daleks, this, Daleks, that. Yeah. So there was always a, a trying to get away from them because mm-hmm. it they were just the lean the lean to monster essentially. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing when uh, Star Trek Voyager brought in the Borg. You know, yeah. it's like you at least one or two episodes a season therein had Borg in it. Yeah. So. Well, that's why they nerfed them by bringing in a species eight four seven two. Oh, exactly. And so, I'd say I would have much rather had some more eight four seven two because they were quite interesting. Yeah, because they were completely different. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's again it's because I, I think as well because of the I don't like to say high concept, but because of the way the story is told, the Daleks are kind of forgotten in the shuffle mm-hmm. of it. And again, again, I think that's why it gets passed over. Yeah. I mean, you've also got the old ones who you never see that much again. No. Um, 
And I was, it's always one of the more interesting facets they've brought in with like the Dalek stories is mm-hmm. when they like so like have to like when it's like this the numbers are so depleted they actually have to use like third parties. So you've got like Lytton's crew in um, uh, Resurrection, mm. and I mean when we're so we're so used to like the Daleks having overwhelming numbers, especially now in the modern series. So it's yeah. kind of unthinkable that you know these would be all conquerors of the galaxy have to sort of like farm people in. Yes, exactly. They have to get contractors in to do the yeah. uh, the dirty work part of it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have you got? Okay, so up next for me, State of Decay. Oh, interesting. Um, because it's people forget about it. It's jammed right in the middle of the Space Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Between, I'm going to show my hand here, you know, we, we may do eSpace in the future, but yeah. between two stories I don't care much for. Right. Um, but it's, it, I think mainly it's underappreciated for me because it's completely up my street, mm-hmm. as people who know me will know. It's it's essentially the closest thing to a Hammer Horror movie yeah. uh, Doctor Who has ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is in, it's one of those things of it brings in a bit of Time Lord lore, that mm. you can sort of take a leave. The effects are a bit shot, like the big sort of floppy hand at the end yeah. that comes out of the hole is a bit shit and all this sort of thing. <laughs> but I think, again, it's one of those things of it could be incredibly cheesy and incredibly forgettable if not for A, Tom and Lala don't hate each other in this episode and it shows. Mm-hmm. So those two are getting on well. So that means that the episode goes much more smoothly. Mm. Um, well, I was going to say, I mean... If I'm, when I'm remembering State of Decay, I think it's like there's moments where you can like tell they're on having a good day because yes, but there's other there's other, there's other scenes where like they're not looking at each other at, each other at all. Yeah, like if you like in Leisure High, for example, where mm-hmm. they hate each other, and Lala Ward says so on the commentary, mm-hmm. they won't make he won't make eye contact with her and things like that. Yeah, and when you when you know what what, what things were like behind the scenes mm-hmm. when they were getting on. Mm. You, it, it it elevates the episode so much more. Yeah. Um, and I think that the um, <clears throat> the three mm-hmm. are a triumvirate of uh, of uh, bad nicks in there. Are you know just cheesy enough, yeah. and also you know sort of they said they're taking it seriously enough mm-hmm. that it works really well. And it's one of those brilliant things, a bit like. Um, when you when you watch like the uh, the face of evil mm-hmm. and you realize what the sever team is it's actually the survey team and the sort of the yeah. ritual they do of touching them touching their bodies in certain ways was a, a, a memory of how they used to check their spacesuits mm-hmm. and things like that it's when you realize the backstory and what these three their, their origin if you like yeah and you go oh that's a great moment in that yeah that you story know, i've actually just remembered i used to own i don't know if it was necessarily the audiobook version um but tom baker did like a reading of i, I don't know was if it was the like target a, novel or something movies i think possibly um right but the, the bit always is when you know the doctor um has the the with the doctor and um romana work out that the the three who rule are sort of like the the uh astronauts but the names have gotten corrupted over time what I remember from the actual television version is it's Romana who thinks it through and so like takes mm. it from like O'Connell to O'Connor and Orcon. But I I don't know whether it's because it was Tom Bacon narrating or it was whoever wrote the novelization. But it's I, I distinctly remember it's the Doctor who goes through that progression <laughs> and and then Tom Baker going Romana was amazed. And it's like. <laughs> That sounds about perfectly right for this. That sounds time. about right. Yes. This this oh, this point in Doctor Who history. God's sake. <laughs> I wish I still had that. I oh, so I do I. Yeah. I. We we might have it. I have to see if we've got it because I yeah. I have to have a listen to that because I've never heard that. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. That that's, that's one point that always stuck out to me, and um, it had this like weird, sort of, like bizarrely sort of jaunty. It wasn't the Doctor Who theme, obviously, because they probably didn't mm. have the rights. But it was, it was a very weird, sort of like, makes it sound like a kid's program. Which it still kind of was at the time, but you know what I mean? It's like, well, it sounds more like a kid's program. Well, I mean, you bring, you say that. I mean, at this time, the, the Doctor Who was definitely lumped. It, it, 
lumped into that it's strictly for kids mm. entertainment. So you've got an episode like this <laughs> that you're that you know you're showing to eight year olds that mm. I don't I don't know. It, it's That's hilarious cool. to me, but yeah, it's one of, it's one I think for me gets forgotten about because it's in the middle of a fairly forgettable trilogy. Mm. Yeah, I can I understand what they were doing trying to do with the E Space trilogy, but um, it's one of those sort of like ones where it's sort of like oh, oh okay. Yeah, and but that I think it. that I think there's something to be said for the Adric factor in uh, in the failure of the or the, the not the failure, but the well. um, you know the shonky wonkiness of the E Space trilogy because like we watched uh, full, uh, full full circle, circle the other day, yeah. and he can't walk across a room convincingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it reminds me. Did you ever um, watch a movie called Birdemic? Yes, well, I've, yeah, yeah, I've seen uh, Birdemic, so, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, like, how the main actor, um, when he has a camera pointed on him, he just, he can't, like, walk Freezes. like a normal human being. <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, just, he gets to him and he starts, like, it's walking like, like a flipping thunderbird. Yeah, it's like, like making wood or something. It's, it's very bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange, so. Oh, oh yes. dear. We should do the Space Trilogy. We should do the Space Trilogy. Yeah. I mean, um... But yeah, I mean, especially in that first episode. I mean, oof, oof, oof. yeah. Mm. Okay, uh, that's so uh, we're uh, not too so far in now. Mind melt. Yep. So, okay. Uh, so let's let's see if we can uh, match up somewhere. Um, my next one is Time Heist. Okay. Right. Um, and I think it's just I think it's just one of those ones that it's it's perfectly fine. It just gets lost in the mix. But I really yep. enjoyed it. You know, I mean, it, I even took the moment to like go back over our show about it when we recorded it back in the day, <laughs> um, and it's just it's really like just nice fun, like romp. Mm. Um, I think that Time House is one of those episodes with like an underrated twist, mm. much like um, Day of the Daleks, for instance. Yeah. Um, the the final conclusion. Of, of time heist is is much more clever than i think that maybe you know we gave it credit for mm-hmm. yeah and it just again it's just like more like the ensemble like cast you know you've got mm. the sight and sabre and you know there's you know the the doctor and clara um <laughs> just like mm-hmm. bouncing off one another um especially like in the end when uh, clara goes off for a date with danny and he, you know, he says, oh, you know, I've, I've had this Chinese food, you know, I'm not going to be hungry. And he says, uh, oh, don't worry about that. You know, food eaten on board the TARDIS has no calorific effect. He's like, really? He's like, no, <laughs> it's a time machine, not a miracle worker. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, uh, one of the monsters that you'll never find an action figure of, the Teller. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know whether they were... Maybe he's in trying, intending on trying to do a bit more with them because mm. I don't know. Yeah, you never never saw an action figure of them, and you know they put action figures out with just about anything. Like oh, wasn't yeah. there like a like a variant of Cassandra where it was just like the destroyed frame? Cassandra, yeah. yeah, destroyed Cassandra, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's a, I think that in a way is kind of like telling when you've got sort of like, um, these days with the character options because. I don't remember seeing any figures from series ten at all. In fact, barely any from series nine. No, I've seen, I've seen them, but they're all sort of weird sizes because Chuck mm. uh, collects sort of the you know like the six inch yeah. ones, and like a lot of the, um, uh, the uh, sort of series eight type ones. Like you, you can get one of the foretold, mm-hmm. but it's only like a wee like three inch one. Right. Yeah. Huh. That's weird. Hmm. 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 But I mean, like, like I said, literally the only sort of toy I've seen post sort of hell bent is the Sonic Screwdriver. Yeah. Which I have, isn't that very nice? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but I mean, although yeah, I'm, I've got time highs on this list. I don't really know how much more I can talk about it apart from like imploring our listeners if you haven't heard our review of time heist um yes absolutely go and listen to it <laughs> yeah, so, i mean you know it's we sort of like cover all the bases quite well there um, i think so yeah even yeah. if we don't do say so ourselves i think we've, yeah. we've done it quite well yeah. mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. there's like, like that one scene in uh, that one star trek episode you know when uh mccoy says to kirk to spock you know spock we're trying to rescue you and he nods at kirk and kirk nods back like, mm. 
yes, that yes. gif. Mm. Um, okay, so shall I move on to number three? Sure. My number three, is it? Um, mm-hmm. It's Hyde. Okay, yes, cool. Yes. Um, uh, one of the... Uh, I think forgotten about for me yeah. because um, it's a major part of the mysterious the impossible girl clara arc mm-hmm. which a lot of people hate <laughs> yeah in retrospect at the time people didn't hate it mm-hmm. but in retrospect um is not well loved so um and it's because it's it's essentially a haunted house mystery mm-hmm. um with with an extremely odd un near unfilmable monster in the crooked man yeah the crooked and, man is the real standout for this one yes it is it's one of the most remarkable creature effects i might have seen ever in mm-hmm. in in tv it's so unlike anything else yeah it's well bizarre it's bizarre and it's and it, it's it's remarkable it's one of the ones that even the doctor's like Ugh, when he sees him and he's sort of trying <laughs> bringing it he's trying to rein it in sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah um i think um, an, an underrated subgenre of Doctor Who yeah. is people who may or may not have psychic powers. Yes. Yeah, that's that's very good uh, point. Yeah, I think that's because there's there's a game that we used to when I used to go um, when we used to go out with friends and stuff. One of the games that we would play in the pub, um, mm-hmm. the box set game, which yeah. is the nerdiest thing ever. Like you try and <laughs> you try and you, you basically put together three or four different like fantasy box sets and then based around a loose theme. So people who may or may not have psychic powers is my one of my box sets right. because and Hyde would be in it yeah. along with something like um oh god what's the easter one um oh fucking Planet brain of the dead. Ple- planet of the dead yes. Yeah. Oh yes. With the la- with the lady who does the heel knock four times yes, and uses uses her psychic powers to just win a tenner on the lottery every week <laughs> which is really wow. sweet. Yeah, I mean, well, you don't want to go too hard on it, would you? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, yeah. and also maybe even see the demons with old what's-her-face casting her runes and all mm. that. Um, it's, yeah, because it, one of the things that Doctor Who doesn't really explain whether they, people, do have psychic powers or not. Mm. Um, so it's kind of fascinating in that respect because it's not the focus of the episode, but it is extremely interesting. Yeah. I think for me, anyway. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, series seven on a, as a whole for me is a very odd beast. Um, it's incredibly. It oscillates between moments of incredibleness and being utterly forgettable. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure there are there are people who are sitting here going, "Series seven, which one was that?" Yeah. Because all the Clara drama, mm-hmm. it, and it's because it's the run up to the 50th anniversary also, so people always focus on that stuff. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And, and then, like, everything preceding it gets entirely forgotten. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, that you mentioned Hyde, I'm like, remember things like Dougray Scott's in it, and... Um, yes, Dougray Scott's in it. Yeah, you've got, like, the moments where the Doctor's taking the TARDIS, like, throughout time and space, and then, like, he sort of ends up on, like, Earth like long after humanity's left and it's just become like a burnt husk and things like that and yeah it's um and like the the you know when he ends up in like the the crooked man's dimension you know mm. even like sort of like sends bring the tardis in to uh, snag his mate um mm. at the end of it which i was that was the one that's one thing i, I sort of wasn't too sure about about hyde is it, it very sort of abrupt very ends very abruptly Yes, it's. I think if, if there there are many criticisms that you can make of Hyde and mm-hmm. Series Seven in particular, I think the too much in an episode is mm. entirely a, a valid criticism, and I think Hyde does suffer from that. Yeah, this 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 was like the the movie of the week sort of like season, wasn't it? I thought that was the one with Amy and Rory, the Power Three series, the one before this. That was one. Seven. I was having because it wasn't a split. Yes, you're right. My bad. Sorry. I that's mean, cause right. that's it. Look, you forget that, don't you? Yeah. yeah you, you forget the, the split. So, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, next one for me. And I think this is probably one of the ones that's a bit more well-remembered, but I still don't feel... I don't, I don't seem to like think it comes up in conversation a hell of a lot. Yeah. Even uh, above um, the others on my list. 
the Happiness Patrol. Right, okay. Bertie Bassett, man. That's the problem. Yeah, that's probably it. Um, but, you know, the Candyman aside and the legal troubles yes. that arose thereon, I really like this one. I mean, it's this is like prime Sylvester McCoy sort of yeah. stuff. I mean, the bit where he talks down the snipers. Yes, I mean, the, that is the standout moment of yeah, that serial. Yeah. But also, the bit where he arranges for the protesting killjoys to uh, gather en masse in Forum Square. So he knows that's going to trigger the authorities to come and round them all up. But when the hit squad gets there, they're, they're like all, like, they've changed their clothes, you know, and they're firing off like party streamers and dancing. And so, therefore, in the eyes of the law, of um, Terra Alpha, they are no longer killjoys, so the Happiness Patrol therefore cannot touch them. So then, <laughs> the second team arrives, and they find the first team so like going, like standing around going, "What do we do? We can't really do this." And they're all sort of glum and downcast. So they arrest them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's a powerful. Bit. I mean, Doctor Who doesn't do satire lightly or often mm. but when it i mean and it, but this is the best example of it yeah and holding up a mirror to the way that british society was yeah in in that time and unfortunately i think is still quite relevant now mm-hmm. um it was viva vendetta before viva vendetta was a you know a thing yeah essentially um or no well, when did animal write that comic i don't know someone's gonna yell at me but um <laughs> it was uh it was um it's it I'll say I think the fact it's still relevant now is mm-hmm. is a bit sad, but it speaks to when you do these things right, yeah, they stick. Mm-hmm. And again, talking about the cast, Sheila Hancock. Oh, I mean, yeah, she's incredible in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the bit you know she's got this like smile plaster on her face, all, and then when a mutated rat dog thing, Fifi, is yes. killed, and she just breaks down, and it's just sort of like you you kind of almost feel sorry for her in spite of all she's done. Yeah. I mean, don't you wish that, in a way, that it would have been... One of those things, it truly would have benefited from more money. Mm-hmm. I think, as well, with, with Happiness Patrol, the fact it's being done on a soundstage is incredibly obvious. Yeah. And you just wish there was a little... I mean, the claustrophobia helps a bit with it, mm-hmm. but you just... You feel like they're going from cupboard to cupboard, unfortunately, with the lighting yeah. in, in Happiness Patrol. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the, um, you know, the Candyman, mm, you know. Yeah. But, mm. but I mean, I, mean, I can understand, like, in in the context of, you know, the colony itself, you know, yes. you have this enforcer to, like, you know, punish people who are unhappy. And what's more sort of ironic than it being made out of sweets? But yes. of course, you know that got the BBC into a bit of trouble because oh of, yeah, uh, too right, copyright. yeah. Talk about underappreciated because I think people, you know, I'm doing it myself right now. And people see that, you know, see the, you know, the the, the restricted budget and mm-hmm. you know Fifi and the yeah, Candyman yeah. and sort of make a judgment about the serial when it's actually many more times the thing than that. If you see mm-hmm. what I mean, yeah. One thing I keep forgetting about Happiness Patrol is it's only three parts. I always, for yes. some reason, I always think this as a four-parter, but it's not. It's only three. And mm. one interesting thing I found out was it was originally meant to be filmed in black and white. Oh right, okay. Yeah, and I thought that would have been like really interesting to do, actually. Um, just, uh, just as like in terms of like you know, color television have been around for decades at this point. Mm. Um, so it wasn't really done anymore, uh, but also would have, I think it might have actually helped. You know, you know, it was one of these days I think I would have put on Happiness Patrol and then just turned down the colour on my television just to see what it would look like. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I sort of wonder if if they if they sort of been able to push that decision through, whether some of the design elements would have stayed the same or not, mm. because the Candyman. Well, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, the the fact he's shocking pink kind of is part of the yeah the whole thing, isn't it? So well, the fact that he's a giant sweetie robot is sort of yeah, like... exactly. Yeah, but I think just with the, the big color and all that sort of thing as well. Mm. You know, when he's doing terrible things, you're like, <laughs> you know, he's a big pink sweetie man. Yeah. And, yeah, it, uh, it would have been interesting. I don't know whether it's the sort of like thing they could do if they ever decided to do like a, a new like DVD version of it. It's like you know how it's like in like the movie Sin City. It's mostly mm. black and white, but there's just like splashes of color, like the blood's yellow or something. Yeah, like 
like have most like the artificial so like happiness parts like have been like full cool but the rest is sort of like in monochrome to sort of, like offset like how forced the whole thing is so obviously you know you get the the TARDIS painted pink instead of mm. over its usual blue color i mean i i don't know it's the sort of thing they'll ever do but it'd be well, interesting. i think it's a brilliant i think it's a brilliant idea i think you know if if um with things with dvd releases the marvelous thing is that or with fan edits that mm-hmm. people can can try these things so yeah perhaps uh, perhaps things to do then is play with the contrast on your telly and see if, how it works <laughs> yeah um so what's next on your list is this number two yes Okay, so number two for me mm-hmm. is going to be um, Love and Monsters and Fight Me IRL because <laughs> okay. people people hate Love and Monsters because they don't understand what it's about. Mm. Love and Monsters is a love letter to fandom. Yeah. And people, again, maybe the... <laughs> The problem is that the whole Blue Peter competition, mm-hmm. Peter Kay, mm-hmm. weird monster thing, and mm-hmm. people just... I mean, at the time, I didn't like it. First first flush, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. But then when you go back and watch it again, mm-hmm. and maybe three or four, t- you know, your third or fourth viewing, I think the problem is as well, if you maybe aren't familiar with sort of deep nerddom, if you like, mm-hmm. and trying to meet people similar mind i mean before much you know before there was an internet and before there was twitter and facebook and tumblr and instagram and snapchat and you can yeah. find people who are like-minded across the world in a in a heartbeat mm-hmm. you know the times before this when it was local fanzines and local groups and yeah. getting together and brought together by a love of you know one kind of nerdy thing mm-hmm. and then things become much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Linda uh, is is a local, basically a local Doctor Who group from straight out of the early 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I'm sort of in, I was in that world and I'm married to someone who was in that world deeply in that mm-hmm. time frame. I appreciate it a lot for that. You know, yeah. sort of aside from effects and sort of the end of it and sort of the dark stuff about um elton you know sort of the what what happens to the people left behind in the mm-hmm. wake of things that happen the doctor does yeah um yeah so i mean although i feel like you know you, you could probably say i'm kind of cherry picking bits out of the episode to a certain extent mm-hmm. i just think because people watch it the first time and hated it so much and haven't gone back i just think that there's so much to it and it's yeah. so misunderstood because of that mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that's i mean i wasn't really like part of those circles like you or chuck mm. were but i still got like the analogy of linda so like they mm. got together for a single purpose but then you know you know friendships were bonded and they actually expanded the, i mean look at the scenes where they're sort of like singing along to elo you know mm. i mean it's it's far beyond um what they first started out as but you know um, Peter Kay's character as in his human guise is sort of like that one dude you know yeah. the absolutely serious you know we can't have this is like serious business mm. um, sort of guy who like effectively conscripts them into trying to find the Doctor for his own nefarious purposes but so it's a like, great analogy and you know like you say like the how the Doctor affects people's lives even so like by proxy i mean I yes. remember, just like you talking about uh, reminded me of the scene you know near the end where he's talking to elton about you know how he tried to save his mother or something but he wasn't able to um so it's, it's a, it's a like, really good showcase of like you know even when the doctor isn't in it and I, do you think that's like one of the one more reason why a lot of people's like overlook love and monsters is because the doctor isn't in it that much yeah, it's because I, I I think that the the Doctor lights, although I mean, again we're talking about on a spectrum. But the greatest end we have Blink, mm-hmm. and therefore all Doctor light episodes must suffer in comparison to Blink. Yeah, 
I mean, in a way, I suppose you could say Blink is the slightly better ver- is the in terms of people who are looking for the Doctor and people who are fans of the Doctor. You know, the whole thing of the angels have the phone box on a T-shirt mm-hmm. and all this sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, that the Doctor nerdery mm-hmm. that that aspect of Blink is it's presented in not in a more positive light, but it's kind of the better end of that mm. idea or taking that idea and using it as a story. You know, we, the whole, whole premise of Rose is predicated about this. Obviously. Yeah. I mean that, you know, Rose, cause I watched it yesterday cause mm-hmm. we got um, a new Blu-ray of it. So we watched it again yesterday. Um, the, the whole sequence in the middle where Rose goes and finds, you know, the Dr. Uber nerd mm-hmm. conspiracy theorist guy. Oh, yeah. So this idea that, the doctor has uber fans and then people taking that as a reflection of fandom Mm -hmm. in, in a way, I suppose there are episodes that have used that as a more positive way. Whereas I think love and monsters people, I think once that analogy was kind of picked apart, somehow found a way to be offended by that. They're saying, you know, that they're sort of portraying us as spods and all this sort of thing mm. whereas i think that that's really kind of not fair to it myself no, no i mean it, it's it yeah linda themselves as a group are not sort mm. of like the target here the target is you know peter k's character in his human form it's more so like it's shot across the bows it's you know don't take this too seriously yeah i mean sure enjoy it absolutely you know discuss all you like about it but you know you can't take it too seriously because in the end no. of the day, it's it's just a television show, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I think there's there's a not inconsiderable uh, you know section of people who don't want to hear that. Yeah, that's true. Whereas yeah. you know, and in and in Rose and Blink, mm-hmm. the people who are in that who are fans are proven right that yeah. they take it seriously. Yeah, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, I mean yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's more like the negative connota- uh, um, yeah. connotations of that one guy. Yes, you know exactly. I mean? yeah. yeah. Okay, so last one for me. And um, we haven't really sort of matched up so far, so I'm, I'm interested no. to see whether we'll... Uh, We're going to do get, it. ...get the Hail Mary. The Visitation. Oh, do you know what? I nearly had that on my list. Oh. I nearly did, but I didn't. Uh, we missed it just by a hair. Damn it. Never mind. Um, I just... It's, 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 again, it's one of those ones where it's like... Yeah, it's, it's nothing super special but it's really right. it's really rather enjoyable um yes. you know i mean the location filming when they didn't have planes flying overhead was great um <laughs> you know f- for all um uh crap what's his name the guy who plays um mace richard mace yeah i can't i was just trying to think of him his he's... name yeah oh michael robbins That's right yes. for all he didn't really like working on the story you know he's a perfectly charming sort of plummy sort of rogue i was gonna say he sort of you can see like in the episode he sort of you can see him sort of decide that okay i'm going for it sort Mm -hmm. of thing and that bit where the doctor's sort of i I always slightly irritated by the thing when the doctor's trying to shoot the lock out yeah of the door with the musket Uh it's like a whole hand spans the distance and all this sort of thing (laughs) um it's it 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 almost panto but not quite yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you mean. Um, I mean, they do sort of like take him to task on it on the commentary as well. It's like, yes, they uh, do. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's actually one of the. Any time you've got it's like funny commentary. Yeah, it's like Peter Davison, Janet Fielding, Matthew Waterhouse, and Sarah Sutton just get him in a room, and they just they can't help but sort of like take the piss. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's it, they they still like talk about it fondly but you know they're, mm. they're not above like going oh this was the best time <laughs> you know janet fielding will quite happily talk shit about the hair she's got yes you will and um and all that um but i mean you know you've actually got quite an interesting like monster in the terrible epitals um you know there's there's that great bit where you know the doctor's like takes the terrible epitals leader to task about all this carnage is necessary and she goes you know it's just survival you know, just as these primates kill lesser species to protect them, protect themselves, so I kill them. And the Doctor goes, that's hardly an argument. And the Doctor just goes, it's not supposed to be an argument, it's a statement. It's like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Yeah, um, um, and also one of the great 
Doctor actually is the cause of such and such historical yes. event um, episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, you know, I think even like Nissa suddenly goes, well, I'm not going to like stick around and something. No, 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 just, let's just go, just go. <laughs> just, just go, go, quick, quick, quick. Yeah. Um, it's also the source of hilarious outtake. I don't know if you've ever seen it with um, the Queen of the May stuff. Yeah. And um, the horse and carriage that they're on. Is that the awakening though? Oh no, that isn't the awakening. My bad. Sorry. Sorry. Right. Right. That's um, the wrong one. Yeah. He, I know you're going with it, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I was like, I think people do get that one mixed up. Yeah, I do. I, I think because they've got people from sort of similar eras in it, that's mm-hmm. why sort of all the same wigs. Yeah. So I get them mixed up. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's the. I mean, you know, overlooking it, I'm mixing it up with something. Else. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry about it. It happens. Um, I mean, yes, there are some shonky moments in the visitation. You've got the the glam android. Um, yes, <laughs> you've got the slightly like wonky set of the um, Terralops escape capsule, um, but I mean apart from that, it's just it's just like a nice little romp, and I quite like the idea that the Terralops are like bioengineering like the Great Plague, like to make things yes. even worse, you know. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, and I think the Terralops, like you say, are, are, are quite an, an intriguing piece of design mm-hmm. and sort of not seen before you know seen before or since really so yeah it's the first time they used animatronics i believe isn't it yes that's right yeah yeah, yeah. so you know they're, they're always like brave to try stuff with um like early 80s doctor who so this is a, a quite good example of it mm. um and also if rather infamously or famously depending on how you feel about it this marked the end of the sonic screwdriver for classic who yes it did because mm-hmm. they were annoyed with it being sort of a with one mighty bound Jack was free machine. So, you know, they'd be having kittens if they're watching it today. Oh, I think they were. I remember, <laughs> I remember sort of when series, you know, most egregious examples kind mm. of series two. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, I think where it was sort of a literally an all purpose, you know, the doctor's got in his hand every five seconds. There was considerable mm. grumbling about it as I, as I seem to remember. So, mm. uh, yeah, that's why it's a lot more toned down now, I think. Yeah. Um, so, what's your last... Last one for me, The Mind of Evil. Oh, right, okay. Um, again, it's a it's a Pertwee that everyone forgets about, even mm-hmm. though it's got the master in it. I think it sort of just gets lost in the shuffle of that series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's actually really good. Every time I watch it, it's loads of fun. And mm-hmm. I think maybe one problem I would say, I think maybe it's an episode too long. Yeah. I think there is a bit of padding um sort of running between the prison and this road and that road and all this sort of thing but i think it's really a fun episode and a cool idea Mm -hmm. that there's this machine that can delete evil and bad thoughts out of people's brains and it sort of goes mental itself and (laughs) rages out of control and um yeah it's it's a, a really fun episode that I think that a lot of people just kind of skim by. Mm. I think as well because the last episode was in black and white for a long time. Yes. They lost the colour version of it. So people went, oh, it's that one with the black and white episode, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's one that I always recommend people pick up because it's mm. sort of a lesser known Pertwee. And even though it's got all the big hitters, the Brig, the Unit guys, the Master Joe, yeah. people just, it's, it's... one of them. Mm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I, I, I'll have to admit, I've not gotten around to that one yet. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's just because like there's there's so many DVDs so little time. Yeah, it's one of those. It's it's because yeah. it's like I say, it's not a Daleks. It's mm-hmm. not. Um, it's it's um, it's not not one of those ones you've heard about. It's not like the Green Death or Inferno yeah. or it. It kind of is like just kind of stacked up sort of in the middle third of episodes. Mm-hmm. So. Was this? I'm trying to remember. You say it's an episode too long. Was this like a five part or something? I remember it's it's got like a I weird. Yeah, it's got like a weird number. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll double check real quick. Um, but yeah, it's it. This is like one of those stories where you've oh it's six. Sorry. Um, it's six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's still one of those ones where it's like oh it's the master rather than oh it's the master. Do you know what yes. I mean? Uh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's in it quite a bit in this. Uh, he is in it quite time, a bit. If, not, if you weren't uh, paying attention, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like the, the concept behind it. Like again, it's just like one of those ones that, again, I never really got round to. Yeah. Um, 
just reading up on about it, you know, the, the master says, you can't harm me, I'm stronger than you, I brought you here, I gave you minds you need to feed on, you are my servant, you're my servant, I'm too strong for you. And then he's like, bolts out and bars the door. It's like, no yeah. one minds for you to feed on, let's see how long starvation takes you to bring you to heal. It's like, that's, yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. I shall, yeah, I, I was going to say... Yeah, I shall pick this up uh, next opportunity, I guess. Yes, because it's one of those ones, if you like sort of big master statements and mm-hmm. cheesy plans and running around and shooting and jumping and car chases and stuff like that, it's got all of that kind of Pertwee era goodness in it. So, mm. yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if you've never seen it, I yeah. say. Cool. Uh, so, shall we wrap this up? Let's wrap uh, it on up. This was supposed to be a, a shorter episode, but we're getting on to an hour now. Um, that's, that's, well, that's about our butter zone, isn't yeah, it? So sure. that's fine. So if you've got any uh, episodes you think are underappreciated, you can let us know at our regular email address, greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com, our Twitter account at greatestshowpod, and our Facebook page at facebook.com slash greatestshowpodcast. Whilst you're listening to us, feel free to check out our sister shows on the network, Simply Syndicated Movie News, Atomic Trivia War 9000, Masters of None, Do Ask, Do Tell, Bat Channel 66, mm. Here Goes Nothing, Take Out or Leave It, The Seventh Chevron, The Little Pot of Horrors, Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots, Nerd Hurdles, Making Sense of Richard Smith, The Greatest Events in Sporting History, For Those About to Rock, Dangerously Unprepared, Starbase 66, and Simply Syndicated Gaming News. As always, we welcome your support, and the best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything. For a monthly fee of just £6, you can enjoy a library of podcasts from the archives of Simply Syndicated, as well as episodes of the exclusive to Simply Everything shows Shaken Not Stirred, and remote tour spin-offs Oh Boy and Trust No One. Simply Syndicated also runs a merchandise store offering apparel and accessories to both Europe and America. You can also support the network through a monthly page on Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So, with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And until next time, take care and bye-bye.